0: Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hi. Welcome. Let's get into it, shall we? Okay. I have plenty to discuss regarding Bolshevism yet again, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry to keep beating this horse, but my God, does it continue to rear its ugly head, and the individuals participating in it have no idea what they're participating in. They really don't. It's as if these individuals have never cracked open a book and read anything about the early 1900s in Europe and everything that went on over there and who the real enemy of freedom is. It really is disgusting, but I have examples that I want to bring up a little bit later in the education portion of this particular show. First of all, I would like to mention that my last episode was removed from YouTube yet again. Shocking that they just keep making my points for me when it comes to Bolshevism and hypocrisy in the media. And there you go. So thanks again, YouTube, for proving me right yet again. And uh, it just continues to show that the social experiment that I had planned over there in the short term is continuing to play out just as I suspected. So there you go. Can't post there for a week. Don't care one way or another. And I'm just going to keep posting there until they delete the channel completely. That's the whole plan. That was the plan going into it, and it's working out swimmingly. So, moving on here. Uh, let's see. I, I received this suggestion from our Michigan business friend, and it's a, it's a good idea. Even though this information, again, is widely available on my website, and many people are well aware, but there's it's beyond evident that there are many people who are not, and I fully understand why, and I get it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create, the best that I can, a one-page downloadable pamphlet that a person can print out and replicate and and do whatever they'd like to do and hand it to anybody. But essentially, again, it'll try to be a one-page pamphlet that anybody, again, can download, and it'll just be an Exiting American Schools Playbook. I haven't settled on a title yet, but that's essentially what it will be. It'll be a three-pronged approach. The first approach, again, is depending on where you live and the state where you live, the, the approach that you should take regarding filing formal complaints against individuals and their certifications, keeping in mind that that doesn't always end up panning out the way that you would want, in particular if there's serious wrongdoing. Same thing with ethics complaints. That'll just kind of be the first third of the pamphlet. The second third will be how to leave the American K-12 school system, and then how to enroll within a homeschooling program. And then again, how to reframe your mind to understand fully what needs to take place in order for you to be successful and your child to be successful within a home learning environment. Because again, the thing that people have to keep in mind is that we really do, I believe, have to get away from the mind frame of the term homeschooling, because it's really just lifelong learning that's basically all that it is we do it on a daily basis we do it constantly whether we're reading an article or we're reading a book and we're thinking about the world that we live in or we have a question that pops into our mind and then we look something up you know th- these are the things that we have to train students and and our children to do and and this is again part of the plan this is a good thing this this is what shifts us away from thinking that an instructor at the you know at the front of the class is the only person who can deliver any kind of information that's not true it's the individual who needs to be the student it's the individual who needs to be in the instructor and it's the individual who needs to ask questions to themselves and then search out those truthful answers to those questions so i hope to have that done probably around i'd say by the end of the weekend and then I'll post it up on my website, certainly under the Education Documents tab. It'll probably be the first tab, the first tab that's there under the Education Documents section. Now on my website is the uh, the homeschooling resources. It's a number of pages on on homeschooling resources, and there are a number of them there, of course. And I understand that even such a thing can be overwhelming for people, where they'll look at a document like that and say, "Well, there's all these homeschooling programs. You know, which one am I supposed to pick?" That's why I specifically hone in on a Becca being the one that I advocate for, not that I've used it because I certainly haven't, but it's one that I've seen. It's one that I've heard more times than others as being remarkably successful. And again, it's just a framework. It's just a piece of the puzzle. But if that framework is there, then you have something immediately to to lean on that I think is a positive program and certainly one that references the Bible with regularity as well. So there you go. But either way, I'll have that put together sometime before the end of the weekend and up on the website by then. Okay, I'll tell you what, I want to make mention of this now. First of all, I find it fascinating that there are endless individuals who would I I guess continue to believe that there's not a deeper play and a deeper plan that is playing out here that is of vital importance. And I'm talking about basically the giant political scene. I don't spend a ton of time talking about Trump and Trump's role in what's going on and the shifting paradigms that are clearly taking place. Before I get to that, though, I want to make one quick mention of the Alex Jones Twitter stuff, or X, however the hell you want to call it. Again, I'm on there. I'm on a completely separate anonymous account, and every now and again I'll just kind of make a comment to somebody who, you know, <laughs> is a complete fool. And it's not under my name, and it's not under American Education FM or anything, but I'm really never over there. Uh, under any circumstance really it's it's just not the place I hang out on the internet uh, I prefer gab without a doubt telegram a couple of the chat boards, and then that's about it but uh either way, I think it's remarkably interesting that that people would be so dismissive of what's actually taking place and and even deny what's taking place You cannot deny that endless pillars of false influence and propaganda have been destroyed. There's no doubt about it. And again, you know, Alex Jones is is one person and I don't agree with him on v- many things because he's just flat out wrong on many things. Uh, same thing with Elon Musk. So for example, the other day, I decided to just listen to a piece of the discussion in the interview Alex Jones had with Elon Musk, and to be frank, I I thought it was rather ridiculous. I mean, you know, there were some blanket points that they were bringing bringing up, which were great. You know, they would say things like, "We need to we need to reproduce more. We need we need to increase the population, not decrease it." I, I agree with that, without a doubt, because we know what the enemy wants. They want a decreased population. The interesting part is that immediately, then Elon Musk started talking about going to Mars. And that uh <laughs> and that we are, you know, that we should send spaceships to Mars and colonize Mars. He's lost his mind. That's impossible. That's not the way that Earth is built. Again, Mars is not a planet, it is just a star in the sky. You cannot escape Earth, you cannot reach it. That is not the way that it works. And he knows that. Which means if he actually believes that you can, you can colonize Mars or do whatever. If such a ridiculous thing were to ever take place, it would be 100% CGI, easily disprovable, just like going to Mars is easily disprovable. And, uh, and, and that kind of lying and misleading is what has to stop. All of that has to be put to rest. Because again, we're not improving anything as a society, if we continue to live and exist in half-truths and half-lies. So I immediately turned it off. Um, and then, of course, well, I didn't immediately turn it off, but I, I tuned back in for a second to listen to what Jack Posobiec was going to say, because I don't like him at all either. I think he's a complete loser. He was Mossad intelligence also and, and uh, army intelligence, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he he has nothing new to say. He's misdirection all of the time. And, uh, y- you can just see it in his face. He has no personality in his face. It's almost like he's been cattle prodded, you know, wh- while being chained to a bed or something and, and enjoyed it for a little while. And then all of a sudden turned into a robot. So he doesn't say anything that's worth anything either. And then he had Andrew Tate on, which again, give me a break. He's a personality and he's, uh, He's a woman abuser. So so what kind of people, again, are we really relying on when it comes to factual information about the world that we live in? Again, if they're waking some people up to particular things, great. But if they're filling what they're saying with half truths and half lies or mostly lies and some truth, there's still a massive level of deception there and are relying on other individuals to get our points across that I think is remarkably problematic. I'm an individualist to a great extent and I'm an abolitionist and you know that too, but the fact is is that individuals have to do their thinking for themselves. Individuals have to do the homework for themselves. Individuals have to read on their own and think for themselves and then you will arrive at the answer. And if you do that again I I believe because I've done it and it works praying to God that he shows you the, what the answer is and what the, what the facts are, then you will see what the facts are and, and you will experience this firsthand. I've certainly experienced it. and Endless other people have too, but, but that's really the answer. It's not tuning into Alex Jones and saying, well, what's he going to say? Because I'm going to believe everything he says. I, I casually observe these people and pick up c- consistently on their inconsistencies and their false consistency. And again, it's it's sad and it's kind of pathetic because it's continuous and it doesn't seem to go away. But uh, I don't know. I I just relying on these individuals constantly is is a bit of a mistake. Again, that's just my two cents. But there's always so much more going on. Is the whole point? And being able to see things multidimensionally is is a very difficult thing, and it's an ongoing process. But to see things one dimensionally and believe a false history and then try to compare it with what's going on today i mean a person doesn't stand a chance then they they're, they're not really going to be growing in any way so allow me to just mention a few things here first of all i should say in particular alex jones you know he he consistently bashes the whole q operation and all of those posts and consistently says nobody's coming to save you and blah 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 there are falsehoods in that statement and there there's of course truth in that statement we have to save ourselves out of all of this i don't think that anybody denies that it doesn't say anywhere in those q posts that they're coming to save us that's not what it says it also of course doesn't say that we need to sit on our rear ends and do nothing there are endless truths within those q posts and anybody who was paying attention to them during the time when they were consistently coming out over the course of years and then of course even now today it makes even more sense today than it did then that was part of that was part of that plan that was part of that operation and not all psychological operations are a bad thing that was clearly a very good psychological operation and rightfully so it taught a great deal of people a great many things that's undeniable one of the things that's playing out right now which is also undeniable are certainly many of the traps that are being set by the individuals who again are handling Trump, which we have to assume is the military to some extent and uh and him himself, I should say, and certainly his lawyers and the individuals around him, these people seem to know what's really taking place here, or at least you would assume that they would, but at the very least, I wanted to read this particular tweet. This was by chris at d u n b i z z forty seven on x And again, we've seen this before, and we've seen this exact plan play out before this way, and the bad guys seem to fall for it every single time. And here's what he said. And again, I typically don't comment on a lot of stuff like this because I'm not deep down this rabbit hole, but I do see some of these consistencies and inconsistencies as well. But this is a consistent thing, which I think is a very good thing. Jack Smith, the prosecutor for Trump, on a, on a much, you know, on basically a different case specifically having to do with presidential immunity. He reached out to the Supreme Court and he said that we want you to expedite a decision about Trump and whether or not as former president, he has presidential immunity. Well, they got back to him and they didn't provide any kind of a ruling, but they just said that they, that they would expedite a decision rather quickly or, you know, kick his complaint up to the front of the line. I don't think that's an accident. I think that's a very good thing and here's why, and here's what this Chris on X stated. He said, quote, "The Supreme Court will remove President Trump's presidential immunity." Why? Because they have to. Trump has always been the bait for every trap the deep state has fallen into. President after president has been established by the deep state in their pursuit of the greatest president this country has ever had. The last step in the chain of precedence will be the removal of presidential immunity. The left will celebrate, so will we. Why? Because we all know who is really guilty of crimes. Once presidential immunity is removed by the Supreme Court, it will be game on. Trump will either win in court for the whole world to see, or the case against him will fall apart as evidence is released and consumed by the public either way trump will be unscathed what a fabulous game of chess we are witnessing being played checkmate 100% unquote this is true this is true you have a prosecutor who is allegedly assuming that he's not controlled by good guys also but he's asking the supreme court for the thing that will backfire on them again that's either coordinated and planned that way by the people controlling him or He's just that dumb that he doesn't think that this will backfire on former presidents and former administrations. So I I, I like this. And, and again, this is one of the reasons why I don't comment too much on it is because I believe it's playing out exactly the way that it's supposed to play out. I know a lot of people immediately say, you know, Trump is a Zog and he's controlled by Jews and this, that, and the other. I would say that in the game of war and in the art of war, there is a bit of a saving face, I'll I'll put it that way, or keeping up appearances, I'll put it that way. I find it hard to believe that he wouldn't know who the real enemies are and that the individuals around him making the real military moves, which let's face it, it is the military, it's not really him it's not the man against the masses it's not one individual against against everybody this is a massive military operation that's continuing to take place and there's no way that one person would be behind the whole thing he's a player in the game though trump that is and he's a big player in the game and i'm fine with that and if people want to follow him and pay attention to every single move that he makes in x y z that's great I personally like paying attention to the entire perimeter and seeing everything from a separate angle as best that we can, rather than following one particular individual all of the time. So, I don't know. I I, I think that that tweet makes sense. I think that that post is accurate. That's something that's occurred many times before, and the bad guys fall for it every single time. And I think that the second part of this is something that's actually playing out right now which is also beautiful. And I've commented on it throughout this show for I would say a good deal of the show since its existence and certainly within the last week because we're watching this take place. We're watching this psychological operation of Israel and Zionists and and these satanic Jews. Again, it's not all of them, but it's certainly a good deal of them expose themselves for who they are and where their allegiance lies and and all of these other aspects that are playing into this and yet at the exact same time we have at least two q posts that specifically said saving israel for last a very specific reason why we haven't mentioned them once thus far i'm paraphrasing them but that's essentially what it said that's happening now if they if they're saving them for last that's going on now which means whatever operation Was started whenever it was started and has been playing out this entire time to educate the masses about who the enemy really is, who the enemies of freedom really are, and where they exist, and how deeply entrenched they are in our country. That's happening now. That spotlight is on these people now and these organizations now. Again, go back to October 7th very quickly. How many people just believed the mainstream story? Of course, that popped out of nowhere, it came out of nowhere, no one was paying attention to it, and then bang, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, Israelis everywhere are being raped and burned and their heads are being chopped off and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was outrage to the nth degree and it was so absurd that unfortunately there were the sensationalists and and the fear porn people who who love that kind of stuff, they immediately hooked onto it like it was real. While the rest of us were sitting back at this point, having been deprogrammed and knowing the deeper schemes here and going, wait a minute, this doesn't seem legit. This doesn't seem real. A lot of this is fake. The the reporting is fake. Endless other things about this aren't lining up. And it is the media after all. So why should we believe them at all? This is a big deal. This doubt and these seeds that are being planted here, that in the long run, that Zionists are going to be the ones exposed as being the real enemies of the world, I think this is a very good thing. And again, it fits perfectly in with the Q posts, which would indicate that this operation, certainly this phase of this massive operation, is starting to come to an end to some extent. We're seeing all of the whining and the yelling and the complaining and the donate money to me because I'm the perpetual, you know, never-ending victim and woe is me, woe is me. We're we're seeing that on such a constant basis that more and more people are actually learning about who the enemies are and then hopefully diving a little bit deeper into the word usage that gets used and the actual history that that exists and a thousand other things. Again, I've included the words Bolshevism in, in numerous presentations here on the show. And I'm going to do it again because there are endless examples of how this is playing out and how this is actually the case. So let me slide now into the education aspect of this because that's where many of these stories come from. And yeah, I'm going to hit on all the Harvard president stuff here in just a minute, but I wanted to make mention of this too. Uh, our educator friend in Louisiana threw this my way and I saw this story and I didn't bring it up previously, but now is a perfect time. This is from the Western Journal. And it is titled, and you can figure out who the real enemy is here, but it's titled Christian Teacher Fired for Revealing Students' Gender Transition to Parents. And then this individual has sued the school. So, again, if the enemy is Bolshevism, and the enemy is Zionism, and the enemy is Satan and Satanism, which let's face it, they're all the same thing, you have a Christian teacher here who was told. That if a child wants to play pretend with their with their sex, then you shouldn't tell the parents. That the parents don't have the right to know. Well, this individual said that's wrong. I'm not going to do that. And then what do they do? They come after her full bore with everything they have. Because if you don't go along with the satanic plan that those players and those Bolsheviks have lined up, well, they open up their Bolshevik playbook and they dive to a particular play. And then they let you have it. And again, clearly, firing the individual at the outset is is one of those plans. They they use humiliation rituals and humiliation tactics. They use intimidation. They use a thousand different things. Public shaming, uh, you know, whatever whatever particular playbook you or play rather in the playbook you want to pick. Just firing a person outright for doing the right thing is one of them because they're trying to send a message in the working environment that if you do this, we're coming for you next. So here's what it says. It says, quote, Bonnie Manchester, whom mass resistance reported as a Christian, was sacked from her middle school in Ludlow, Massachusetts back in 2021 after informing a female student's father that the school was secretly referring to his daughter as a boy. Two years on after the fact, Manchester is filing a $10 million lawsuit against Ludlow, its school board, current and former school district superintendent, and several former school employees. Now, this is a big deal. First of all, this was an individual who clearly lawyered up, clearly had the resources to do so, and is coming after them with everything that they have. They're in a fortunate position because not everybody can do that clearly and not every every you know not every lawyer wants to take up such a case but what's interesting about what's happened over the last couple of years really points to the massive public knowledge on this particular subject the endless articles and peer-reviewed studies that have been conducted about individuals who have gender dysphoria and all of this information what she was doing as a school teacher really was keeping this child safe and keeping the parent informed about what the school was really doing which was putting the child in harm's way. Now, again, I could go off on a long rant here, but let's face it, every American school puts children in harm's way. They've certainly proved that over the last three years, have they not? Curriculum aside and false curriculum aside, they've proven that they're abusive environments. Theoretically, everybody should have a lawsuit. The problem is, when you hand your children over to these environments, you're engaging in in loco parentis I mean it's in lieu of parent it's a legal um, it's a legal responsibility move that you're giving the school that doesn't give the school carte blanche to do whatever they want to do to your child in particular if it's not written in some kind of a policy and the parent hasn't signed off on it, which I'm sure in the details that was part of the issue here but here's one of the really interesting consistencies that happens in this corrupt business is it says the following here. It says that she was placed on administrative leave for several months as the investigation was carried out before eventually being fired after a decades-long career at the school. Her conduct, she was told, was quote-unquote unbecoming a teacher. That phrase is legalese for a blanket statement that the teacher is doing something that the school district doesn't like. It doesn't mean that the school or that the teacher rather has done anything wrong or or something that is illegal or morally unethical. That's not what it means. They just use the phrase unbecoming a teacher because that's in their codes of conduct, that's in the contract, et cetera, et cetera. That was the exact same phrase that was used against me during my whistleblowing experience and the sanctions and elimination of my teaching certificate, it was the same thing. Again, wrap your head around that. That someone like her for doing the right thing is being considered engaging in conduct that is unbecoming of the profession or unbecoming of a teacher. And then same thing with me. I was talking about sexual grooming. I was exposing sexual grooming, the people who were engaging in it, the physical abuse and then the administrators that were covering it up. And then they labeled me as, he's a teacher who engaged in conduct that is unbecoming of the profession. Well, that should tell you all you need to know about the profession. That's it. They discriminate. They violate the First Amendment. They don't keep individuals safe. This is not their prerogative. This is not what they do. And then they engage in Bolshevik tactics to circle the wagons to go after the individuals who know what's really going on in the environment, and then they get rid of them because they want to send a message to everybody else around that if you don't play ball the way that we play ball, well, we're going to kick you off the field of play. So it's not a new thing, and it's not a new tactic. It's something that that is beyond consistent and has been happening for a very long time, which now leads me back to the Harvard president, and this Claudia Gay, who is, again, the female, black female Harvard president, and could actually be gay for all I know, I'm not sure, but either way, that individual checks all the leftist boxes, don't they? And at the exact same time, the Bolshevik does not care. They don't care. They will shoot one another, and chop one another into pieces even on their own side just so that the loudest voice is the one that prevails at the end and this should be this should be teaching everybody a very important lesson on treachery and what traitors do this is this is exactly what traitors do this is what a turncoat would do same kind of thing here the first move that they made against this, this black female president of Harvard, who we know is a hard leftist, but she can't play the Bolshevik game the, the same way that the Bolsheviks at the top can play the game. The ones at the top are the ones that, that have perfected it, and they have all their soldiers down below, and even she, I'm sure at one point, was one of their soldiers, but it doesn't matter. They can pull their card anytime they want because this is how they play. There's no loyalty to, to actual people or even positions. They'll eliminate a position or a person at the drop of a hat if they don't like them because that's the control that they think that they have. But the move that they used against this individual, they've used two recently. The first one, of course, was calling her anti-Semitic and, and all of the name-calling. I will. There were three tactics, actually. There was that. There was lying also about her, her comments uh, during the congressional testimony, in, in particular when Elise Stefanik was almost crying about the whole thing. But when she went back to the campus, whoever it is that owns these trucks that have these video messages on the sides, which is the real question, who owns the trucks, who creates the message, so on and so on. No one's asking that question. So they plaster her face on the side of this truck. Uh, they say, you know, and then they'll show particular pictures of children. And then it, and it, here on the side of the truck, it says murdered by Hamas fire, president gay. And it's a picture of a kid wearing a Spider-Man outfit. Okay. This is all pleading to emotion. She has nothing to do with, with anything that's going on over there. It's none of her business. She was a fool in taking the bait into going into a congressional hearing, thinking that people were going to somehow work together, uh, you know, and, and, and that they would all just enjoy one another's company and get along and say, you know, free speech matters, but at the same time we have to do this and we have to do that. And again, you would just think that the the, the casual observer would know based on everything that's happened over the last three years, in particular back during the the George Floyd lie and the Black Lives Matter lie, that people wouldn't be able to see that as being a totally manufactured psychological event that was taking place, a false flag, if you will, in order to divert people's attention from what was really going on and, and how government was really the enemy and the medical industry was really the enemy. All of that was a giant distraction. But what did it do? The useful idiots and the people who always take the bait, they took it. They swallowed that hook, line, and sinker, and then, and let's face it, I mean, almost every president at every university across the nation is a leftist. They all think climate change is real, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the elimination of white people is the way to go, which is what that really means. But what happened? Even they got attacked by the mob. Even they were attacked by the Bolshevik mob, which is hard left, as we all know, and they do exist on the right as well, which is what's being exposed now, but they didn't learn their lesson back then, in 2020. I mean, again, I remember individuals here at Miami University's campus uh, chanting in front of Greg Crawford's house, who's the president of Miami University, and, and they were doing the exact same thing. Black lives matter, black lives matter hands up, don't shoot, what are you doing to keep us safe? I mean, the left is eating its own tail. They're chopping off each other's heads left and right all the time. And then when enough time passes, everybody just seems to forget that the left was supporting the left, that the presidents of these universities were supporting the Black Lives Matter crew, but it didn't matter. The Black Lives Matter crew was still attacking the presidents. You, you can't negotiate with the mob. You have to destroy them. you have to make fun of them. you have to you have to go on the offensive, but that's not what the left does, and that's not what these uh, the presidents of these universities do. They all buckle you know again, you had President McGill at the University of Pennsylvania quit because she couldn't take it. She couldn't take the heat, she couldn't take the pressure, and it was all false heat, and it was all false pressure. It was all a lie, being called anti-semitic and what do you mean you won't spit on the Constitution to stand up for Jews? I mean, it was re- it was beyond ridiculous. She didn't make any anti-Semitic comment. Number one, again, that doesn't exist. Number two, she didn't say anything disparaging against Jews. Endless individuals are made fun of and disparaged and singled out on college campuses and nothing happens. But now you have the Bolsheviks singling out a president. So, where's Elise Stefanik on this? Because she again is claiming, as even the presidents were during that testimony, that if you single out an individual, then that could be interpreted as an incitement to violence. Well, here you have the president of the university, who I'm not defending because she's a leftist. I just find it funny that the Bolsheviks are going after one of their own and that they that the individuals doing the commenting on it, like the Gateway Pundit and all of these other pseudo-conservatives, which let's face it, they're not. They're all godless Zionists. But they're all commenting on it like it's okay, like two wrongs make a right. It's incredible. It really is, again, a a, a one-sided angle on this entire conflict right now, which again points back to the Q post. We're saving Israel for last. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Do you see what's happening here? It's amazing. And then the very next move that they make is they got, the Bolsheviks got another one of their pseudo-conservative Bolshevik soldiers and stooges to go along with this whole thing too, and that person is Chris Rufo, Because what was the very next complaint that came out about President Gay at Harvard University? Plagiarism. The plagiarism excuse. And the the, the plagiarism talk is always an arrow in the quiver of a Bolshevik. Always. They've used it against endless people. Again, you saw how they used it against me during the school board speech. Dr. Brooks is not a medical doctor. He said he was a medical doctor and he said that he was a, uh, an internal medicine specialist. Who got a PhD from Oxford University and he's a liar. He falsified his his credentials during that school board speech. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Anybody with a brain can go back and listen to that. And anybody with internet search skills greater than a first grader would be able to get on the internet and see what my credentials are. They're on the about page of my website and always have been. But these people, again, they aren't interested in the facts. They're interested in accusations, and then they're interested in trying to highlight a very specified thing for which they themselves probably know very little about. But they got Chris Rufo on the scene in a multiple tweet on X thread thing to go after the president for what he assumes is plagiarism. Now I looked at some of the posts. This is interesting. Because, again, you have to take into account something that is that is beyond evident in the leftist language, is that they use one another's language all of the time in the way that they write. They say the same things, and even when they are referencing one another, you can do that a couple of different ways. You can either paraphrase what a, what a person is saying without giving them credit, which implies, again, that you're Um, that you're using their general idea, but you're not using all of the words that they're using. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's, that's what paraphrasing is. You can also write a couple of sentences, typically two at the most, sometimes three, but it's typically two or less, sometimes more, and then in an APA document, you make the reference at the end of the sentence. If the reference you're making at the end of the sentence is a direct quote from the author or from that particular paper then it's usually it's usually indented with an actual quotation so she wasn't doing that all of the time she was making reference to what she was writing but sometimes she was using almost every single word that the author was using now is that plagiarism well it's a fine line i can see where people would say yes but people have to understand this happens with almost every single thing that's written. I mean, if you really wanted to, you could go through Chris Rufo's most recent book, and I'm sure you could find endless things that he has said that other people have already said and already written. Probably word-for-word, word, without him referencing it or making a footnote, um, you know, or a bottom-of-the-page notation, what, whatever it may be, or even a direct quote. I, again, Almost everybody does that in in some kind of a book where there are references and footnotes. So it's not an indictment on her as being a plagiarist. And again, I haven't read everything that she's ever written, and neither is Chris Rufo or anybody else. But that's not the point. The point is name-calling. They just call her a plagiarist, and they add this pressure on in an effort to get them to quit, because that's what the Bolshevik does. That's the Bolshevik tactic. They just lean and they lean and they lean and they expect the individuals around that person that's being leaned on to also buckle because the associations that they have and the people who stand up for them or work around them, they're also being leaned on. So I mentioned this in a previous episode, but it is the divide and conquer strategy. You're looking at Trying to destroy a position of a president of a university, which you know my take on it, they should all be done away with. These institutions should be immediately done away with and turned into prisons and mental institutions as far as I'm concerned, but since they're still there, these the, these Bolsheviks always engage in the divide and conquer strategy because they know how to do it, and they know how to shame not just the the individual target that they're going after, but also scare the people around them because they don't want anybody to then stand up for that person. Because if anybody stands up for that person, well, they'll just come after you also. They know what they're doing, is the whole point. But here's where it's already backfired on the Bolsheviks. You now have Harvard University standing up 100% for for President Gay, and the members of the Harvard community have written this particular letter, so I'm going to read it. This is straight from Harvard. It said, quote, As members of the Harvard Corporation... I find it interesting they call it a corporation. It says, quote, We today affirm our support for President Gay's continued leadership at Harvard University. Our extensive deliberations affirm our confidence in President Gay, that President Gay is the right leader to help our community heal and to address the very serious societal issues we are facing. So many people have suffered tremendous damage and pain because of Hamas's brutal terrorist attack. See, they can't even prove that, but they're playing the game. They're just going along because they're still trying to appease the enemy, and they are the enemy. I mean, Harvard's the enemy, and the people attacking Harvard are the enemy. That's the that's the gray area dynamic here that is lost on so many people. But that's why I'm focusing in on it because it matters here. It's multiple dimensional. It's multiple dimensions. This is not black or white, this way or that way. It says, and the university's initial statement. Should have been made, I'm, sh- I'm sorry, should have been an immediate, direct, and unequivocal condemnation. Calls for genocide are despicable and contrary to fundamental human rights. President Gay has apologized for how she handled her congressional testimony and has committed to redoubling the university's fight against anti Semitism. Again, they themselves, as Harvard University, are Bolsheviks, okay? What we're learning here is that some Bolsheviks, Know how to do it, and some don't. Some go on the offensive, and some go on the defensive. These individuals clearly go on the defensive. They don't know what they're actually—they don't know what they're actually doing. And if they think that they can write a letter like this in support of her, while being attacked by the enemy, and get away with it in the long run, I mean, they're not going to. The enemy is going to continue to pressure them any way that they any way that they can. So much so they might actually fake a, a particular false flag attack on Harvard University's campus and say, see, I told you so. All these kids got shot up and there was an explosion and people died and it was all because of President Gay. I mean, the Bolshevik will take it to the nth degree. They'll burn a build a, a building down with people inside. This is what they did during the Bolshevik Revolution. This is how they operate. But again, people people can't see that There is a Bolshevik revolution taking place in our country right now. It's happening right here. And it's happening among the Bolsheviks, which is hilarious. It continues, it says, quote, With regard to President Gay's academic writings, the university became aware in late October of allegations regarding three articles. At President Gay's request, the fellows promptly initiated an independent review by distinguishing... I'm sorry, by distinguished political scientists and conducted a review of her published work. On November 9th, the fellows reviewed the results, which revealed a few instances of inadequate citation. Okay. Again, it happens in almost every academic paper, in particular when you write with frequency. One of the things that I'm always guilty of when I write are typos. It's that simple. I mean, there's typos in almost everything that I write. And when I wrote my dissertation, one of the revealing things that I noticed was, it wasn't that my citations were wrong or anything like that. It was actually the, the committee members and their inability to read what I was writing and, and actually pay attention to multiple factors of what it is that you're writing. Are the citations accurate? Are they pulling a direct quote or is it paraphrasing? Is there a footnote? What about the appendices? And so on and so on. One of the mistakes she made in one of her papers, and it was a mistake, allegedly, because I haven't seen it specifically myself or looked it up myself, but according to Chris Ruffo, uh President Gay took an entire appendices page from someone else's work and used it uh, as her own, or at least referenced it, but used it in as her own appendices in her own paper. Again, that's typically something that you're not supposed to do. You, you can reference someone else's appendices from someone else's study, but, but you can't really use it as your own. And again, I haven't read her papers, so I, I really don't know if that's exactly what happened or not. But either way, uh, b- back to the letter here. It says, while the analysis found no violation of Harvard's standards for research mi- misconduct, President Gay is proactively requesting four corrections in two articles to insert citations and quotation marks. That were omitted from the original publications. Again, it's not entirely, you know, these kinds of things, depending on what she was thinking about or what she was doing, it's not necessarily her fault. There are proofreaders, there are committee members, there are other individuals and uh, sometimes other authors and editors that have to catch these things too. And if they don't, well, everybody's a human being and people make mistakes. So again, in the grand scheme of things, this is kind of low-hanging fruit, but at the same time, they believe that, that plagiarism is the most egregious thing that can happen on a college or university campus, and certainly in publication. Well, the fact is, no, it, it really isn't. There are egregious things that happen all of the time that are far worse than, you know, not putting the correct quotations around a sentence. It's it's a it's a, it's a bit ridiculous. But either way, again, people make mistakes, and she's been given the opportunity to go back and correct it. So, great. So what? Uh, It wraps up here, and it says, quote, In this tumultuous and difficult time, we unanimously stand in support of President Gay. At Harvard, we champion open discourse and academic freedom, and we are united in our strong belief, and that's funny, too, that they call for academic freedom now, but either way, we are united in our strong belief that calls for violence against our students and disruptions of the classroom experience will not be tolerated. Harvard's mission is advancing knowledge, research, and discovery that will help address deep societal issues and promote constructive discourse. And we are confident that President Gay will lead Harvard forward toward accomplishing this vital work. Unquote. You know, again, it's Harvard. They're uh, they're a brainwashing institution and always have been and we know that but see even they can't pay attention to the hypocrisy of the congressmen and women and all the other individuals who are clearly coming after the president because they themselves are saying yes we we don't want anybody to be singled out and we don't want anybody to be hated on and certainly calls for violence are terrible and yet someone owns a truck that is parked outside of the president's office with her face on it with a child's face on it saying that this kid was killed by Hamas and the president needs to be fired see no one's done that against jewish students and calling for an infitata that word literally means a rebellion or a rising up that's what it means now again that can be interpreted a lot of different ways does that mean killing all jews I don't interpret it that way, but it's the First Amendment. They can say whatever they'd like. They just can't do whatever they'd like. They can't go down the street murdering Jews, just like no one can go down the street murdering anybody. But again, they're also not paying attention to what's actually happening overseas. Because if they were, well, things would be a little bit different. But here again, I'm going to give you this next story. This is, another, this, is, this is perfect. This is another example of exactly the problem here and how these Bolsheviks are so embedded within these institutions that you're seeing the civil war, not just within you know government institutions per se, although these universities are government institutions, but the civil war does exist within these school environments too. This is from uh, informationliberation.com. This is actually well done. It's titled, Washington Post, Eliminate the First Amendment to Fight Anti-Semitism," quote unquote. And that was, again, one of the uh, opinion pieces from the Washington Post titled, Opinion to Fight Antisemitism on Campuses, We Must Restrict Speech. And this is by a Claire O. Finkelstein. Or Finkelstein every single time. And this is from, again, she's from the University of Pennsylvania's law school. It's it's a rather long article. I don't want to read the whole thing, but here's here's what I will read. I'll read a particular portion of this and then the accurate translation as to what this actually means. Because what the author of this article accurately points out for the uh, informationliberation.com article is they basically clearly say. That the individuals making all of these claims of calls for genocide and everything else, they have to lie, because if they don't lie, which again that hasn't happened, there there aren't these massive calls for genocide of all Jews everywhere. That that isn't happening on these college campuses. Most people don't care. Again, let's face it: most people are too busy doing their homework or going home for Christmas vacation, and they, they really don't care. But they have to lie and they have to ramp up the emotional aspect of it because when they do that, it gets them to that next level that they want to reach, which is the ability to make even more egregious accusations and engage in even more Bolshevik tactics to get their point across to ultimately reach the result that they want, which is individuals gone. And as I've stated before, and Joseph Goebbels said it better than I can that they want to make sure that criticizing anybody who is of Jewish origin or descent or bloodline or a Zionist or whatever is punishable by death. Yes, your loss of job has to come way before that. And yes, we have to then make different laws and put those laws in the books. So if you criticize them, you'll be fined or go to jail or whatever. But then ultimately, they want you to die as a result of criticizing them. And we can't allow that to happen. That can't get to that point in this country. That's why we have the First Amendment. That's why the Founding Fathers put it in there. They put it in there for this purpose, for the one purpose here that we're all seeing. Yes, it's multiple purposes, but you get what I'm saying. So here's what they said. They said, universities have also have a duty under Title IX of the Civil Rights Act to ensure that their campuses do not descend into hostile environments that effectively exclude students of ethnic, religious, or racial minorities from receiving the benefit of educational programs and activities on campus. In fact, Pennsylvania has already been sued by two Jewish students alleging that the university has become a, quote, incubation lab for virulent anti-Jewish hatred, harassment, and discrimination the author of the of the particular article then said this and it's all in bold they said that underscores the point with or without the first amendment calls for genocide against jews or even proxies for such sentiments such as calling for infatata against jews or the elimination of israel by chanting from the river to the sea quote unquote are in the present context calls for violence against a discrete ethnic or religious group and that such speech arguably incites violence, frequently inspires harassment of Jewish students, and, without question, creates a hostile environment that can impair the equal educational opportunities of Jewish students. So they have to manipulate events, they have to manipulate words, then they can manipulate codes of conduct, then they can manipulate laws then they can get the result that they want. And we can't let that happen. The author ends it by saying this, quote, There you have it. The entire American experiment on free speech needs to come to an end to protect the feelings of Jews and Zionists and shield them from any and all criticism, all while Israel conducts a genocide of children in Gaza and ethnically cleanses half their population, And again there's a little bit more to it but there you go. Again, it's a really good article and the author has it has it perfect. I mean, they highlight Claire Finkelstein or Stein or however you say her name. They highlight her hypocrisy and her complete insanity on this issue. And then they basically say you have to look deeper into it because these people don't want the first amendment to exist ever. Specifically, they want to use it as a shield against criticizing them all of the time. That's always been the plan dating back into the 1800s with the very creation of the term antisemitism. But we're just seeing it play out right now on a grand scale. So are we saving Israel for last in this entire awakening process of, uh, of endless Americans and people around the world? Yes. You'd be hard-pressed to have the, the majority or hell, I'd say probably less than 10% of the world population actually support what Israel is doing. Because you even have Israelis not support what's going on. Even they don't like Zionists. Even they aren't involved. And again, the hypocrisy is so thick that you would think that outlets like the Gateway Pundit, who claim to be conservative and they are not, you would think that even they would highlight the fact that you have rabbis holding Palestinian flags and carrying signs in their other hand that say, I'm not a Zionist, I'm against Zionism. See, that throws everybody into a tailspin. Because they start saying, well, what's with all these names? What are all these identities? What are all of these labels that people are putting on one another? And they never sift through it, and they never figure out what these names actually mean. It's, it's just, it just becomes too confusing for them, and then people just put it down. But again, the squeaky wheel always gets the grease. The person screaming the loudest is usually the person who's the most guilty. And these are the tried-and-true methods and ways that we can highlight who the real quote-unquote wrongdoers are in this entire thing. It just so happens that they're Bolsheviks. And I'm going to keep saying it, the end of Bolshevism is death. That's the plan for Bolshevism. You know, there's a meme that's been bouncing around for many, many years. It's a picture of Stalin, and he's got half a dozen of his Bolshevik buddies all around him. And then the very next picture is Stalin with one of those guys gone. And then it's another picture with another one of those guys gone. And then it's another picture with another one of those guys gone. And by the end of the, of the meme, it's just a picture of Stalin standing there because he's killed off everybody who's around him. That's what Bolsheviks do. They kill one another for power, for whatever it is, status, stature, you name it. They aren't interested in right or wrong. They're interested in being on top. And we can't let that happen. And one of the ways that we don't let that happen is by educating people about what this is. Again, tying it back into K-12 education, this is what American K-12 departments of education do. This is what human resources departments do. This is what individual administrators within individual buildings do. They engage in these exact kind of tactics. They don't know that it's Bolshevism always because they're not that bright they've just been taught this in their training seminars because they're taught that this is what a leader does in these kinds of environments that right there should tell you how pervasive bolshevism is it's being passed off as being a normal workplace tactic it's being passed off as being a leadership skill this is what a leader does a leader will single out the individual humiliate them and then make sure that everybody around them knows that this individual is you know is at fault or in the wrong Regardless of what the situation may be. And no, we don't need to hear from them because that's due process and we're not interested in that. We just need to shame them and then try to get them out of here and humiliate them. And if we can get them to kill themselves, then even better because we can save a bullet in the process. And then we'll just move forward and we'll hire somebody who's more compliant the next time. That's the American business model right now, that's the corporate business model. In educa- you know, education environments, in and universities, in and K-12 schools, public, private, or charter, they're corporations. Harvard, in their letter, even referred to themselves as a corporation. They're telling you. They're telling you what they are. They're telling you what approach they take. And this is also one of the reasons why X is such a cesspool, because you get on X and you have all these individuals, again, whether they be Harvard graduates or not, all jumping on here and saying, you know, I'm going to write a letter to Harvard, and here's what I'm going to say, and here's what I'm going to do, and I'll give them the what for because I'm a graduate and I know better. But you have this Bill Ackman, at Bill Ackman guy, every single time, he's the CEO of I don't know what this is, uh, Pershing Square and a co-trustee. I don't know what the hell that is. Don't care. Either way, he's on here and he writes this giant letter, wasting his breath, uh, hating on President Gay and telling everybody to fire them and then how to look for a new president and what that person should be and blah, blah, blah. Even Scott Adams criticized the guy, which is hilarious. Scott Adams got on here and put one of his Dilbert, uh, Dilbert cartoons on here where he's got the boss sitting at a table with a uh a candidate to be an employee at the at the at the corporation where they work and the boss looks at him and says I don't see your mention of your college degree and then the guy applying for the job says I have one the boss looks back at him and says that's weird because I would think you would list your college if you were applying for a job and then the boss looks at him and says it's harvard isn't it And then the guy says, I'll show myself out. Again, Harvard's the butt of every joke, and the people who go there are the butt of every joke. But these Bolsheviks who are standing up for one another and cutting each other's heads off, they don't know that. They don't know that. You can't fix these places because they're nuts. The very people who attended Harvard, who are claiming to now defend it and say, you know, these calls for genocide and whatever else, they don't know that the Bolsheviks will come for them one day. They have no idea because that's the way that it's always worked throughout history. They're on the wrong side of it. When you're on the wrong side of history, you're on the wrong side of a gun. That's the way that that goes. So I'm going to summarize it by saying this before I get into this other thing, is is that I just want more people to pay attention to those inconsistencies. I want people to pay attention to who the real enemy is. It really is Bolshevism. That's really the biggest problem here. And yes, it happens to be of Jewish origin. It happens to be satanic. It's remarkably evil. It's rooted in murder. They're not interested in the truth. They have no civility whatsoever, and you cannot negotiate with these people. There's no negotiating with them. Elise Stefanik is a Bolshevik. She gave she gave up the goose in Congress. She gave it away. In fact, I can't believe I'm even saying this or even reading it. But oddly enough, this should also prove to basically everybody. That uh, when you talk enough about a particular individual, believe it or not, you'll just find yourself uh, getting an email from them. I received one of these emails from Elise Stefanik in her, uh, whatever it is, nationwide petition. Again, I've never gotten one of these from her, but all of a sudden I have now. And she, it says this, this is Elise Stefanik. My blood is boiling. I'm enraged every single time I see another anti-Semite rip down Israeli hostage flyers. I read the liberal media take the side of Hamas terrorists and I hear woke college students harass Jews. So now, so now the woke students are harassing Jews. Again, the inconsistency is amazing here. The hypocrisy knows no bounds here. She goes on in this email, assuming she was the one who wrote it, which let's face it, she probably didn't. It says, but nothing could have prepared me for the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and Penn refusing to say whether calling for the genocide of Jews is considered harassment at their universities. They hemmed, they hawed, they even said it depended, or depends rather, and needed more context. I'm done. Sign my nationwide petition and blah, blah, blah. She said, I was lucky enough to attend Harvard. I know how liberal that campus is. But this this is something new and it's a national disgrace. I I'm done. I'm done reading it. You get you get you, I mean I hope you can see the the uh the blatant hypocrisy in this. Again, it's the pot calling the kettle black. The squeaky wheel gets the grease wh- whatever saying you want to use. It it's beyond ridiculous. But the constant lying, storytelling and word manipulation in order to end up at a separate result. I'm sorry, but uh that's that's beyond satanic it, it's it's beyond bolshevistic it's awful and again i would say it's jewish but it's not all jews it's just it's a it's a constant thing that is pervasive certainly among a great deal of them and it and it can't get clearer which leads me to this now This has to do a lot with the word manipulation that's been used over the course of many years that many of us have picked up on, but this is a well-done chart, so kudos to whoever built this. Um, I'm not sure who made this, but it's very well done. It is titled, Understanding Left-Wing Bullshit, A Guide for Conservatives. Now, I would have called it something else. I would have said, Understanding Bolshevistic Language, A Guide for People Who Aren't Bolsheviks, but either way, it's a Venn diagram, and it goes basically it spreads out throughout the entire sheet of paper here. Again, it highlights the particular words that Bolsheviks tend to use, and, and again, what you would call the social justice warriors or certainly the the Marxists, okay, on the hard left, and there's a handful of them, and I'll read all of them right off the top, and then I'll go through each individual one, and then each word, the very next step, it says what they mean is and then it provides the translation and then the very next step after that is it says which is and then it provides the result of what they're really trying to accomplish by using the word so here are the words that they highlight or phrases even social justice that's one diversity white privilege bipoc folks if i'm saying that right racial justice Inclusion, cultural competence, environmental justice, decolonization, systemic racism, critical race theory, and equity. So, allow me to go through all these. I'll start with social justice. Okay, so the term social justice, what they mean is the word will only be just, quote unquote, when the oppressed overthrow their oppressors which is weaponizing oppressed non which is non-white and non-straight people against oppressors who are white and straight people for political ends involving wealth and power redistribution. That's really what social justice means and what the end result is. So when you hear the term again, social justice, Understand, it has to do with discriminating against white people and then eliminating them. That's it. You're going to see a theme throughout this, trust me. And you can guess what it is. The the next term, diversity. What they mean is everyone who is not white or straight, which is replacing straight white people with non-straight and non-white people. Pretty straightforward. The next phrase is white privilege. What they mean is white people having certain socio political advantages within their own ancestral homelands, which is an oppressive situation that must be rectified via racial and social justice. So one plays off of the other, clearly. Here's the next one, and I mispronounced it earlier, but it's BIPOC folks, is I guess how it's pronounced. Again, these stupid, made up made up acronyms. The BIPOC part, I believe, is biracial indigenous people of color. And then the folks part has to do with basically the LGBTQ alphabet soup nonsense. So those are the folks that they're referring to. What they mean is everyone who is not white, which is otherization of white people to form a multiracial anti-white political coalition. You you see the theme here. (laughs) It's rather glaring. The next the next term, racial justice. What they mean is revenge, anti-white politics, which is legalization, I'm sorry, legalized anti-white discrimination, including affirmative action, reparations, hate speech regulations. The redistribution of wealth, such as land, resources, capital, etc., from white people to non-white people. There you go. The next term, inclusion. What they mean is implementing diversity. So we'd have to go back to what diversity means, which of course is everyone who's not white or straight. Which is removing white and straight people from positions of influence in power via deplatforming, canceling, quote-unquote. Or unpersoning firing biased hiring policies, etc, so that's what inclusion means. Cultural competence is the next one. What they mean is worshipping diversity, becoming accustomed, accustomed rather to life in a multiracial society, which is being indoctrinated into the globalized leftist political ideology that hematologically dominates Western civilization. Great. Environmental justice is the next one. What they mean is, white people are destroying the planet with climate change, which is, implementation of global technocracy via the Great Reset, severe reduction in Western living standards forcing whites to accept infinite climate refugees transfer Of white wealth to the third world. Are we not seeing all of this right now? The next term, decolonization. What they mean is removing European influence, which is cultural genocide, an attack on white history, culture, and traditions used to demoralize and desecrate white people. The next term, systemic racism. What they mean is. Disparities in performance between racial groups are caused by white racism and oppression, quote-unquote, rather than average biological differences in behavior, etc., as a result of evolution, which is an excuse to disenfranchise whites within their own homelands and implement social-slash-racial justice. The next one, Critical Race Theory. What they mean is, race is a social construct, quote-unquote, not a biological reality. But white people are responsible for all worldly problems due to systemic racism, quote-unquote. Which is, denying that white people exist while demanding that white people commit racial civilizational suicide as pretense for perceived historic racial injustices, quote-unquote. And finally, the term equity. And what do they mean by equity? They mean creating equality of outcomes, which is forcibly correcting perceived social injustices by taking from the oppressor, quote unquote, and giving to the oppressed, quote unquote. That's it. So again, the word usage, the word creation, the word manipulation, the definitions, all of it. All of it is Marxist, all of it is Jewish, all of it is Bolshevik, Bolshevistic, to say the least. The tactics that they employ to get these words implemented, used, normalized, and then if you don't do it, those tactics that they also use to eliminate you are all in the exact same playbook. Again, Satan is the father of deception and these are deceptive practices. That's exactly what this is. It isn't going away, but we have to learn what it is, and then we have to learn to laugh right back at it and fight against these people and this insanity. Because if you're normalizing insanity, which they're clearly attempting to do, and eliminate individual thought and rational thinking and civility and a thousand other things, well, then there's your enemy and they're clearly defining themselves on a daily basis and it can't get it can't get any clearer and it, they can't possibly get louder than they already are so there you go okay one last little thing here which kind of proves my point from a K12 perspective and this again has to do with using academic papers to normalize the state of affairs specifically regarding turning these schools into mental institutions and increasing the presence of counselors and mental health professionals and blah, 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 including, I might add, even doctors, medical doctors. And this was something that was brought up on the last episode of The Five Docs with Larry Pilewski and Dr. Lee Merritt. Pilewski made a great point about how medical doctors are even running for school boards now. That medical doctors who believe the COVID lie and implemented the COVID lie are running for school board uh, positions within what you would expect to be some of the most brainwashed areas, certainly on the hard left, but uh, even within conservative areas as well. Because again, if they believed it, well, and they sit on the school board, then they're going to be the voice for it if it comes around again. And we have to assume that that's going to be the case. So here's what it says, and this is from the most recent uh publication from the American Educational Research Association's journal. It is titled "Investing in the Teacher Workforce: Experimental Evidence on Teachers' Preferences." So again, you can kind of see where this is going, and they're tailoring this particular quote unquote study or or survey in order to normalize what they think teachers want. And if more teachers want more counselors and more special education teachers and more nurses, well, ladies and gentlemen, the entire profession is doomed. And of course, it's not even a profession anymore. It's the butt of every joke. Here's what it says in the abstract, quote, inadequate compensation is often viewed as the root of teacher workforce challenges, despite teacher reports that working conditions matter more." Using an original discrete choice experiment with a national sample of 1,030 U.S. teachers, we found that support staff, special education specialists, counselors, and nurses play an essential role in shaping teachers' employment preferences. Teachers value access to these support staff more than they value a 10% increase in their own salary. I don't believe that, but if that's what they want to say, and if that's what the teachers actually believe, then that's pathetic. But it wraps up and it says, we also assess teachers' preferences regarding child care subsidies and find that teachers treat a 10% salary increase and a childcare benefit of similar value as near-perfect substitutes. To test the durability of these findings, we replicated our study two years later and found nearly identical results. So they kind of contradict themselves in the abstract. They say teachers aren't interested in arrays, but then they say teachers are still interested in arrays i mean I don't even have to I don't even have to read this full study in order to understand what it's about uh, again, they're trying to normalize the presence of special education specialists, counselors, and nurses, and even medical professionals quote unquote within these environments. Because there are so many brainwashed people who now believe that these people have to exist within schools. When really, if you you ask your average morally sound school teacher, which again, why they would be in the business if they're morally sound anymore is beyond me and, and not brainwashed. But if you were to ask them what they really would want within these environments, they would say they want all of the sexual perversion gone. They would say that they want all of the left-wing nonsense gone, they want the freedom to teach the truth to their students, and they want violence to go away, and they want the political infiltration and the overwhelming nonsense professional development to disappear. They want things taken off of their proverbial plate, and they don't want anything added on. Again, I never accepted a job or thought to myself as as a former school teacher, gee, what a great place to work because we have all of these special education teachers, or gosh, what a safer place to work because we have all of these counselors, or thank God we have more than one nurse on campus. What would we do without any nurses? That was never a hinging, a hinging impact on on uh, on, on wanting to work in a particular environment or not. It had nothing to do with it. Am I getting paid enough to live? That's number one, I think, because if you can't do that, then you can't do anything else. Is the place safe? Are people going to be held accountable and kicked out of the school for doing the wrong thing and breaking the law? And is there corruption within these environments? Is it a morally sound professional environment? That's really all people want. It's remarkably simple. But only only a business like this—that's this brainwashed and this controlled—could possibly get people to actually believe the exact opposite of what I just said. And unfortunately, that's the environment. That's the way it's going. Okay, one jab-related thing here. This shouldn't shock anybody, but I found the date of this particular article to be rather interesting. This clump comes from GlobalResearch.ca. This was titled. Is the virus fictitious? Laboratories in the United States can't find COVID-19 in one of 1,500 positive tests. It says the CDC sued for massive fraud. Tests at seven universities of all people examined, examined showed that they did not have COVID, but just influenza A or B. An EU statistics state that Corona quote unquote virtually disappeared even under mortality. The date of this was April eleventh of twenty twenty one by the author, but it's made its way here to global research on December tenth of this year twenty twenty three again, you may recall many years ago numerous individuals, including lawyers that that were operating within foreign countries. I remember Ireland was kind of at the forefront of this with their independent research, but they were clearly saying. SARS has never been isolated. Well, you can't isolate something that doesn't exist. There's no individual virus, quote-unquote, that exists within the blood of these people. There's just compromised immune systems, damaged cells that already exist inside of their body, and then, of course, the nanofragments and the technology that exists that you can see under a microscope. But there's no, quote-unquote, virus because there isn't one people were injected with nanoparticle technology they were injected with the poisons that were surrounding that nanoparticle technology and and again this is something that the you, you know your average member of the general public cannot comprehend they can't comprehend that they were injected with a biological weapon there is no covid it was a fake name for just more poison that people injected into themselves the end. That's really about it. And this just continues to prove it. And it's a rather old article from, again, April of 2021. So there you go. Not new, but it's one of those things that, you know, you perpetuate a lie often enough and you do that among individuals who are not independent thinkers and don't don't look into things. Well, they're just going to keep believing whatever it is that the idiot box tells them. It's remarkably sad. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I, again, there's a lot of great things happening. I fully understand that there is, and it, it may sound frustrating, all this stuff that I'm bringing up here recently, but it's the revealing of all of this that is the positive. If there's a takeaway here, that's the positive. The positive is, is that all, uh, the enemy is in the process of destroying themselves, and we, and we need not interfere with that. What we should do is shine a light on it so that more people can see what's actually happening and do what we can to, again, explain this as accurately as possible from an accurate depiction of history, as humanly possible, and then again, understand that moving forward, these are not the people to trust. The gateway pundits of the world, the universities of the world, and all of these other individuals who are, again, chopping off their own heads just for fame or status, And they can't even see their own hypocrisy in what they're doing and what they're calling for. This revealing is a giant on purpose. It's a beautiful thing. And it's happening every single day. So again, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And I will catch you on Friday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.